Welcome to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. This is the place for Christian fathers, husbands, and those who love them to find the inspiration, grace, and guidance to help you live God's will for your life and finish your race strong. We share scripture readings, prayers, and advice to help you in your personal and professional life. Now pop in the earbuds or turn up the volume, and let's get to today's episode. Hey folks, welcome to Dad Devotionals. Before we get to my interview with Dr. Philip Mamalakis, I want to read our scripture for the day. It comes from Matthew. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. And so from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. And now I also want to offer our Lenten prayer and our prayer for Holy Week, the prayer of St. Ephraim. O Lord and Master of my life, take from me the spirit of sloth, despair, lust of power, and idle talk. But give rather the spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love to thy servant. Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own transgressions and not to judge my brother. For blessed art thou unto ages of ages. Amen. And now, folks, without further ado, my interview with Dr. Philip Mamalakis. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, folks, welcome to Dad Devotionals. I want to introduce you to Dr. Philip Mamalakis, a man that really needs no introduction in Orthodox circles. He is an assistant professor of pastoral care at Holy, Holy Cross Greek Orthodox School of Theology. He has a private practice where he works with individuals, couples, and families. And of course, he is the author of Parenting Toward the Kingdom, Orthodox Principles of Child Rearing. And he's here to speak, us, speak to us today on this, on this Holy Week. So thank you so much, Doctor, for, uh, for joining us. That's great to be here. What an unusual Holy Week, huh? It sure is, uh, to say the least. Um, to say the least. <laughs> I do want to ask, is there anything that I left out in your intro that you want to share? Uh, did you mention the seven kids? <laughs> or that I did we not. Were going, we were going towards empty nesting. You know, we had <laughs> the kids were finally moving out, and then the coronavirus strikes, and we have a full house every day, all day. Glory wow. to God. It's a shame they're not playing baseball. You can feel it a team. That's right. Listen, if the weather's nice, we can get outside. That's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how it is in Massachusetts, but down here in Gettysburg, PA, I mean, it's cloudy in the 50s, but anything above 40, kick them out of the house, right? We're, we're outside, exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's, let's chat about the book a little bit. It, it's been, it's been a, I guess, almost four years now since you've released it back in 2016. And it's, you know, it's still one of the more popular books when it comes to parenting in, in Christian circles. What are some things that parents are still coming up to you and saying, you know, at conferences and events? What, what, what's the feedback they're saying? Uh, you know, what is one piece that they say, hey, 
thanks for putting this in there. It's really helped me do X, Y, and Z. So, you know, when I wrote this book, you know, I was discovering my faith, right? I was born in the Orthodox Church, and then I'm a dad, and, you know, I study child development, and I'm just discovering this beautiful stuff that happens every day. So, I, you know, I said, I'd love, I've never read anything like this, but I think people would be really interested in thinking differently about parenting. You know, it's really not about getting your kids to behave a certain way. It's actually about what's happening on the inside. And then, in fact, it's not about what's happening in them. It's actually about what's happening in us as we try and walk alongside. So that major shift in parenting happened to me as I was a new parent. And to this day, people still come up to me and say, when I read your book, it just, it's like my eyes opened up. It changed my entire thinking about what my role is as a dad. Dads come up to me and moms. And then right away, it's, they realize, but you haven't really solved the problem. It's still a struggle. This book is not like some sort of magic key to get your kids to do what you want. It's actually a divine invitation to stop trying to get them to do what you want mm. and start learning how to walk with them, walk in their struggles, learn to set limits appropriately and stay on that path, you know? So that, you know, it continues to be, I, and it's moving to me because you know, I'm writing the book because it's important to me and I've never seen a book like this. But, you know, I don't know. I'll read this and I'll publish it and then, you know, nothing will happen to it. So it's really moving to me that, you know, the book ends up on people's coffee tables or, you know, it's half read because we're all busy as parents. Who has time to read? So we did an audio book, you know, and I have the benefit that I'm giving talks all the time. I'm rereading the chapters and, you know, I'm always, you know, we believe our faith is ongoing. So I'm always learning this stuff. So it's rewarding to me that people are walking in that and it's, it's affecting them. And to be honest, it's helping their kids. You know, and, and that's really our target is that we can actually love our kids in a way that God designed us to learn how to love and the type of love our kids kind of deserve to receive. Amen to that, especially. Uh, before I get to my next question, though, I do want to jump in and say, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, kind of revisiting the chapter. Should we expect an update sometime soon? So, <laughs> you know, I, I would love an update. Uh, you know, I've been asked to uh, do a book on parenting teens. Mm. I've been asked to do, do, do marriage toward the kingdom. You know, how can we understand what's happening in the marriage dynamics? Um, so there's a lot of stuff to write. And, you know, I, <laughs> I'm just doing my best you hey, know, to get some writing time. You know, I recently put out a little work on understanding self-esteem. Mm. Because, again, there's so many confusing messages about self-esteem that, understand how we as Orthodox understand self-esteem and then our role as parents in facilitating a child's solid self of who they are. So there's, there's more beautiful stuff to write than I have time in a day in time though, in God's time. Absolutely. Um, what are some things, cause this, this podcast is especially focused on dads and what we can do. I'm, I'm the father of two young children, a four and a two year old. Um, my son's four, daughter's two. What are some things that, you know, you're talking to somebody like me, whether it's, say, it's in your, uh, your private practice or, you know, one of your, one of the, the students you have, what would you say to me in terms of what are some virtues that I can instill in my children? Maybe they're found in the book or maybe it's something you, cut, you came across just in your own, uh, you know, your own dealings with being a father. What are some virtues we can instill or how yeah. do we instill them? So I, I think, I think. 
the, the, the child development literature is really clear and powerful about the unique role of dads. And when I read this stuff, I was like, whoa, it is huge. And all we need to do as dads is to be close to them, hmm. to be close to them and to be on our own path of healing. And I, when I learned that, I'm like, I'm changing diapers and I'm taking care of my kids at night. Because the research really shows dads who are involved in childcare, actually, the outcomes are better for kids. So that type of, I didn't grow up with a dad who did childcare. I grew up in a traditional Greek home. But when I learned that my kids will do better if the dad is involved in the childcare, if the dad is involved in domestic responsibilities, if the dad knows the, what classes the kids are in, who their friends are, what they're struggling with, what they enjoy, you know, kids do better. So, and then when we think about what virtues, right, we want to raise our kids to be solid individuals, followers of Christ whose identities are wrapped around this revelation of church. And the research is really clear on that. Dads who take their inner lives seriously, who attend church and take the gospel seriously and internalize it, communicate to kids that this is real and true. And I see this in my own family because my kids are like, oh yeah, of course mom is doing this. But for, when dad does it, then it must be serious. So we can really give a gift of virtue, of the whole path of virtue, by walking that path first personally in our prayer life, private prayer life, and in our liturgical life, mm -hmm. and then our confessional life. And then secondly, in our marriages, our kids have a front row seat to how we're loving our spouse, how we're stumbling and falling, and then how we're getting back up again. And so we really have nothing to offer but to be broken, struggling sinners and when we offer that on this path of Christ and growing, our kids start learning that, oh, it's God who's perfect, not my dad. It's God who's the solid source of my safety and security, not my dad. And that's the goal because we are only images of the father. We're icons of God. So, so all we can do, the best thing we can do is point our kids to the eternal truth of God the father, the church is our mother. And we do that. How do we do that? <laughs> By taking it seriously and then staying connected to our kids. And they learn and they learn these virtues are real. The virtues of kindness, patience, long suffering. Oh my gosh, this pandemic is all about patience, kindness, and long suffering. And respect the fact that as a dad, I get overwhelmed easy. You know, my office is quiet, it's organized, I got a schedule. And then I come home and I lose all three of those things. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, so, and to realize that my brain, you know, I can't think with that much noise. I can't think with that much movement. Mm -mm. I feel completely incompetent. Here it is. Parenting is not a problem you can solve. I like problems I can solve. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm really good at solving problems, but now I've met my kids. You know, they're like the kryptonite to problem solving, to my problem solving powers. And thank God, because then kids will bring forth something else out of us men. And that is that, that, that thing we see in the saints in our tradition, these men who are strong, mm -hmm. right? Powerful, righteous, you know, unwavering. And they're gentle and they're tender and they're compassionate and they're affectionate. So children force us as dads to get down off of our, you know, our throne of knowing things and being in charge and being in control and kind of walking down those steps 
just to get on the carpet with them, play with them, tell them, you know, I don't really know, but we can find out. And when we get learn to have peace in the confusion, peace in the uncertainty, peace without knowing what's going to happen, mm. what a gift we give our kids. And consider what the hardest thing now is. We don't know the immediate future. And suddenly, we're all up in arms and we lost our peace. But that's kind of a temporary peace. That's, a, that's, a, that's an illusion of peace. That we'll have peace if we know what we're going to do in the summer. But we never really know. And so sometimes God allows us to lose our plans and lose our sense of security. Really as an invitation to reflect on where is, where is my peace come from? Does it come from a trust that we have an all-powerful? all loving God who's still working within us and between us to transform us. So as dads, we're like the key player in telling our kids, I don't know what's going to happen in a month, but I know God loves us. I know we're going to continue to learn and to grow, continue to pray to him, continue to be patient. And they, that, that communicates something that, you know, money can't buy. Absolutely. And you talk about that peace in confusion and the importance of, you know, our children seeing their liturgical life through us and with us. I mean, talk about confusion, talk about, you know, the, during the most important liturgical week, I guess you could say, right. And here we are. So, I mean, so how can we make the services come alive for our kids, especially the little ones who, you know, let's face it, I'm usually out in the hallway for half the service anyway. Right. Uh, So how can we help them, uh, in addition, also have us feel like we're still there, even though we're there virtually. So I think one of the first things we can do is we can try and recognize the blessings that are coming uniquely at this time. Because really consider of all the times of the year where we're forced to be quarantined, it's going to happen to us during Great and Holy Lent and Holy Week. Yep. And of all the times that we're invited to retreat, it's at this time that we're quarantined. Yep. So we, we and, and you know, when the dad kind of makes, points that out, and the dad can say, you know, I wonder, because it seems to be, uh, I mean, imagine if it was July, right? And we all want to be at the beach, and there aren't services every day. That would be really hard. So, and communicating that to our kids, that although we don't know, God still knows. And communicating, well, noticing that, gee, this could be a really blessed time for us. You know, just helping them communicate that, you know, things might feel out of control, but God is still in control. Absolutely. And then the second thing is, you know, you got kids running around, right? And well, it's in, in some ways, when, when our kids were toddlers, you know, they can't sit through all these services, you know, and to expect them to sit still, let alone still in a church right. for that long. You know, what's important is that our kids, I think, are, are, have a lot of times where they are, ex- are exposed to the sights, the sounds, and the smells of church. Because mm-hmm. they will remember that. And even if they're in the narthex moving around, that's a different week because we're going to the narthex every day of the week. So I'm a real advocate of getting kids to church as often as possible. Mm-hmm. And, in, and then keeping that church experience positive. You know, of course, we should encourage them to use a quiet voice, you know, we're teaching them how to behave in church rather than expecting them to behave in church. And so that same spirit, I think, should fill our homes during this time. You know, we were watching the online services last night and my kid was like, this is so boring. You know, and he's, he's an adolescent. He's like, 
I thought church was boring, but online church is really boring. <laughs> I think it's really important that we have the services on so they hear it. We project it so they see it. We light our incense so they smell it. Mm. And that we keep this liturgical life in our home. You know, we tend to be, well, obviously we're a little more lax about the movement. I don't really have my kids stand the whole service or dress up for the service. What I do say is quiet voices. Um, because the other thing is we have to remember that the goal of the Christian life are not the external practices. The external practices are a means to this inner transformation. So really we have to prioritize our inner lives, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness. Because if we lose our peace trying to get our kids to pay attention in church, we've kind of lost our way. And so what happens in family life, at least in my family life, is I don't know many things that we've tried to do that haven't failed or come unraveled at the end. You know, you have a great idea for something and we start out great and then someone's running somewhere, someone's fighting with someone, someone's throwing something. Yes, you know, well, welcome to family prayer, right? <laughs> well, what we have learned is that's okay. We as parents need to be in prayer and we have to have patience and we have to live to parent another day. So that what, and when we operate like that, when our focus as parents is on our inner life, we keep, we do these external practices, but never lose sight of taking a deep breath, praying, maintaining your peace, gentle reminders, redirecting, being a little more lax, redirecting. Mm -hmm. What we're left with is our kids will remember that peace and that love and that intimacy. So it's, that's what we find with the church in the home. We do our morning prayers, we do our evening prayers, and we add on these practices now into the home with more patience with the natural variability, focusing primarily on my peace and my prayer as I focus on the screen, I stand, we stand during the gospel, et cetera, and then as I gently redirect up to a point. Mm -hmm. I mean, in many ways, David, our, our faith has... A lot of cool stuff, right? Like we had palms on Sunday. We're going to, you know, get uh, eggs. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these, we have all these stuff that we can actually, that we usually bring home from church that we can create. So there are these physical things there that allow us to kind of keep those touch points. What? Nice. Sorry, my well, son I guess, I guess they thought me. it was a good point too. That's right. <laughs> Um, jumping off of that though, what are some things? So my, my wife and I are converts. She's been Orthodox for I think about 15 years now. I myself only about five. So, you know, we didn't grow up in the faith. I grew up Catholic and she grew up basically any other kind of Christian that was out there. Uh, so what are some things that Orthodox parents, whether converts or whether, you know, cradle Orthodox, what can we do a better job of to bring our children up in the faith and, um, you know, instill, instill those virtues that we talked about earlier? So, you know, the, the beautiful thing I think about orthodoxy is, although on the outside it has a lot of stuff and behaviors, it's really a, an inner path. Mm. So it's important to fast. But if we're too rigid and too strict on the fasting and suddenly the fasting becomes the end goal, we kind of lose sight that actually Christ is the end goal. Right. And the same thing with this online prayer, you know. 
So the beautiful uh, Sister Magdalene, the author of Children in the Church Today, mm-hmm. who's in Essex, uh, she would always say, you know, just try our best. Try our best. And so what I would encourage someone who's coming into the faith, who's new to orthodoxy, is that orthodoxy is not how we behave. It's about this real deep faith in the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, that we are charismatic in that way, and that all the external things, as much as we involve them, are a means to that inner transformation. So in this Holy Week, I would look at how do we fast, and let's do our best to fast, right? And, and when we do our best, what, what are you going to do with a toddler? Well, you know, or an eight-year-old. You start to introduce the eight-year-old to fasting and say, this time... You know, we're, we can, but you could fast practically from anything with an eight-year-old, like no dessert, because you know, and then teach them that we restrict this, and so it's the gentleness of the way the rules are applied that really are the hallmark of the Orthodox way, that we become very strict on ourselves and really gentle and merciful uh, on others. Mm-hmm. So I think what we can do at this time is we prioritize saying I'm sorry, we prioritize forgiveness, we prioritize confession, we prioritize looking out for our neighbor, you know, and we bring the liturgical life into our homes as best we can. And at the end of the night, if it was a complete disaster, we say glory to God, you know, (laughs) because you know what, this is our little offering. And we have a God that just madly loves us, that all he wants is for us to draw near. And of course, People can say, well, can't that be manipulated? Of course it can be manipulated. People can always manipulate, but that doesn't stop the church from loving in the way the church loves. And so God loves us so much that he gives us just as much as we can bear. As a couple, looking at what our challenges are. How we, can we pray together more intentionally as a couple? Can we spend 15 minutes and do a little strategy about how we're going to parent this night? Because last night was a disaster. And so really the pandemic requires a little more intentional prayer, a little more parent timeouts to rethink, all right, how are we going to do this tonight? Because the goal is that we keep refocusing on Christ Mm. and allowing his Holy Spirit to pass through us to our kids. Yeah, absolutely. What is um, one Bible verse or quote from the fathers that really resonates with you that you'd like to share? So um, that's tough because, you know, my days have been filled with scripture. And what my wife and I try and do during Lent is we pick uh, some sort of reading to do together mm-hmm. because it's just a good time in marriage to, to regroup and reconnect around this. And so um, I, I can't, I want to try and we're just reading, um, we're reading about uh, the cup of Christ mm-hmm. that, um, that God, you know, when, when, when the apostles, we read in the gospel recently that the apostles came to him and wanted to be remembered in the kingdom. And he asked them, are you going to drink the cup? I'm going to drink and be baptized as I will be baptized. And they said, yes, you will. And so this author talks about the cup that Christ was given. And that cup is suffering. And the cup of Christ that God asked us to drink is this cup of suffering. And the author beautifully talks about how when we encounter suffering, it's really easy to say, wait a minute, this is some virus and the government doesn't want this, it shouldn't be happening and why is this happening? And we'll, we'll get mad at the person who's giving us this cup of suffering and, 
And the author notices, says, don't you understand that this is the cup, this is coming from God, that all the struggles that we are receiving, we got to recognize that this is God offering us a cup to drink from the cup of salvation, to drink from the cup that Christ drank from. And so that's really on our hearts as a husband and wife now, because we've got a packed house. And right. it really helps us now to remember that we are, we as Christians call ourselves followers of Christ and the Christ himself, you know, says, I accept this cup. You know, I accept my father's will. And that we, when we recognize that a loving God is giving us these struggles, not don't blame, don't look at who's the fault. Don't look at what America should have done. So this shouldn't have happened. But as Orthodox to recognize that this cup we're asked to drink from is from God and that we drink it with gratitude and we pray, Lord, have mercy on us and strengthen us at this time. And that just seems really helping us rethink our marital struggles, our parenting struggles, our economic struggles is that our God is present and active. And so at this time in Lent to accept that cup, to drink from that cup. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, you know, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but I just want to confirm, is there anything that you're working on right now that, uh, you can share with us any kind of project? So, uh, my, my dilemma is I have more projects to do than time to do them. Um, so I have, uh, I'm, I'm working on, I, I, what I want to do, there's a couple of projects I'm working on imminently. One is on self-esteem, which was posted online on the OCA website in Chicago but I'm going to try and get that out because I think that's a really huge issue for parents Great, because yeah. we want to raise kids with solid self-esteem, but as Orthodox, it's a little confusing. Um, so I think I would, I would put that out there um, that that's probably what I want to help parents understand that it's easy to be confused or even dismissed what therapists say about self-esteem because a lot of the recommendations are really inconsistent with right. what we believe as Orthodox, you know, praise yourself, remember how good you are, strengthen yourself. My sixth grade son came back uh, from class online yesterday about, you know, with some activity to promote his self-esteem and to look yourself in the mirror and say, am I proud of you today? And, you know, I had a nice gentle talk with him. I said, Alexi, when people don't have God or know who God is, then really all you're left with is to say, am I proud of myself? Mm -hmm. But as Orthodox Christians, what we recognize is God loves us and we should ask ourselves every day. Did I follow God? Did I, was I obedient to God? And when I wasn't, we confess that and we go to confession. Mm -hmm. And when we do, we say, thank God. So immediately, I think there's really a need for us as parents to, to not dismiss self-esteem because it's important. Because there's some really cool, uh, important things we can do as parents to en uh, enable that. Right. But our kids are exposed to lots of different ideas outside the church that really can be confusing. Absolutely. Uh, if you, if you want to send that over to me, I'll make sure to link it up in the show notes for people. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do Great. that. I appreciate it. Final question I have for you. I like to enter, end my interviews with this. What is something I didn't ask you that I should have? What is something you didn't, you know, you asked me great questions and you just let me talk. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, nothing comes to my mind immediately. I, I guess you have a dad podcast and I can't think of a more beautiful podcast because in thinking about the role of a dad, you know, there's like 10 other topics we could have talked about. 
about dads. We can have you all back on. That's not a problem. That is such a powerful way. And, you know, a lot of us as men don't really have people to talk to. Um, We don't have a culture that really nurtures, you know, what we would call real intimacy between men. And it's a real setup because I think many ideas that women have about men and that men have about men are really narrow. And there's so much of a culture of this, you know, idolatry of this masculinity that has nothing to do with the Christian faith, has nothing to do with the image of Christ or St. John the Baptist or St. John Chrysostom or anyone in our tradition. Yet it's so dominant in our narrative and even in some of the contemporary Christian ideas about men. So, you know, there's a hundred questions, but we don't have enough time today. Like I said, I'd be happy to have you back. This has been excellent. I know I've, I gleaned a lot of stuff from it. I'm going to be rewatching it and jotting some notes down myself, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. Thank you so much for this. I do appreciate it. Thanks for Thank coming on. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.